This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today's guest, Angie Scott. She is the host of the Women Angler and Adventurer podcast. She is a captain, guide, and speaker. And she has a website called thewomenangler.com. So let's see if we can get Angie on the phone. Hi, Angie. Hey, how's it going? It's good. I'm, I'm glad to meet you on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm excited to chat with you today. Well, tell me about uh, what you got going on, who you are, and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Angie Scott. I originally am from Minnesota, but I've lived in Nashville for over 20 years. Actually, went down there to work in the music business and did that for about 16 years and started missing being outdoors and, uh, um, you know, got tired of sitting behind a desk all day, even though I did love working in the music business. Um, so anyway, I started trying to figure out how I could shift things to be more outdoors oriented. And that's when I started a podcast called The Woman Angler and Adventure. Um, so we're over 260 episodes in at this point. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and it's just been going really great. It's really transformed my life. Uh, I got my captain's license and got really back into fishing. Kind of grew up doing that in Minnesota and got away from it when I worked in the music business. But uh, big time back into it now. So I'm nice. actually down in Florida right now. We get to spend a couple months down here every winter and uh, kind of mix it up and get some inshore fishing in and uh, hope to do a little more freshwater fishing this time around down in Florida, something I haven't done a lot of. Nice. Well, you, you just uh, raised my interest on a whole bunch of stuff just with that uh, <laughs> that intro there. Um, I'm a musician as well. Um, and Ooh. I want to, you, you said you're in Nashville and you were in the music business. What were you doing there? Yeah, so I took the business route. Uh, I'll do so. I do dabble in songwriting. Um, haven't done it in a while, but I did while I was in the the business. But uh, so I worked for a booking agency called Creative Artist Agency. It's one of the top talent agencies in the world. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. We booked a lot of uh, big name artists, 
in yeah. all different genres, which, you know, I, I like all kinds of music so that really played to my, uh, my likes, I guess you could say. When you were, um, like booking tours and, and all that, everything that goes along yeah. with the tour. Yeah, I was mostly on the support end of it. I, I was the head of the contracts department. So I, I oversaw every time, you know, we had to have contracts for every show that we booked with the promoters or the, the mm-hmm. venues. And so I kind of oversaw the, the paperwork end of it. Um, but it was fun because I, I still got to go to shows and hang out backstage and, um, just, you know, it was cool to be able to do that and not like have a job to do on tour. I just got to hang out. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Any nightmares out there with, uh, you know, the, the contracts and stuff that you guys did, like where people didn't honor their contracts or anything like oh, that yeah. all the time, huh? That, that stuff happened all the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, music industry, it's a, it's, crazy, huh? it's a business full of personalities. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And so, some of these contracts that you were you were doing and stuff, what were they? Were they uh, like money contracts or just kind of like? Oh yeah. Everything that goes into um, paying the promoter or the promoter paying you guys probably. Yeah, there was a lot of fine print in uh-huh. every contract. You know, legal legal teams get involved, and then it becomes you know four or five pages. What used to be just one page back in the day. I think you could even go to some of the country music museums in Nashville and see some of those old contracts. And it just makes me laugh how uh, different it is now. <laughs> My gosh. I, you know, uh, I was in a band that, that toured around a little bit, you know, back in the nineties and um, we got a, a record deal and, oh man, things just went so South on, on stuff. And we, you know, ended up going to court and it was just a big nightmare. Kind of jaded me from the music business for mm. about 10 years. And mm-hmm. I was just bombed on the, you know, the whole thing. I didn't play music for a while and just concentrated on other stuff, you know, the guy, yeah. but, but it kind of sounds like uh, very similar to your situation where you missed the outdoors and got away from that, that whole music industry and started a, sounds like you started a guide service too as well. I, I did dabble in that a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, actually, instead of fishing guide, because I wasn't that confident in my abilities uh-huh. at that time. I, uh, I had a pontoon at the time, and so I did a pontoon karaoke charter, uh, <laughs> awesome. which sounds like a complete blast. That's awesome. But when you get groups that can't carry a tune and you're stuck out there for hours on end <laughs> listening to this thing <laughs> and it's getting classic. drunk, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I, I'm, oh I'm my like, God. Mm, I don't know if I want to be this, uh, <laughs> the babysitter here. Oh so. my God. Total babysitter, huh? <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was fun for did, a little while. <laughs> did, did you, um, you have to get a captain's license for that. That's, that's why you have your captain's yeah. license, right? Interesting. Yeah, actually. So, where I'm at in Nashville on the lake, I'm on. Technically, you don't have to have your captain's license because it's not a navigable body of water. Hmm. Um, so, but I just wanted it because, you know, I think that's the responsible thing to do yeah. uh, to get your captain's license. Plus, it could have opened me up to other potential opportunities. At one point, I was thinking about coming down to Florida in the winter, like trying to figure out how I could do that because I do, growing up in Minnesota, I'm kind of over the cold weather. Mm-hmm. So if I can escape winter, <laughs> I'll yeah. do it. 
And yeah. so I had an opportunity to maybe do some like eco tours or manatee tours down oh, in Florida cool. in the winter time. And with that, I would actually have to get my master captain's license because some of those groups that you take out can be 20 some people at a time. And oh. the, the captain's license I had is just called a six pack, yeah. which means you can take, you know, six people, which is fine for what I was doing in Nashville. But so I actually upgraded to master. Um, but since then I actually, things kind of changed a little bit. I still have the podcast going on, mm-hmm. but now I work for a company called Freedom Boat Club, which has 370 plus locations worldwide. And we've got like six in in, ten, in Nashville and three in East Tennessee now. And so anyway, with that job, now I have the flexibility to still go down to Florida in the winter time. So it all kind of worked out. Oh, I'm going to ask you about that too. What, what is that? When you go to, you can go to all yeah. these different places. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool deal. It's, it's basically a hassle free alternative to owning a boat. So freedom boat club actually buys all the boats, does all the maintenance, cleaning, mm. all of that. People join the club and then they're able to go to all the different locations and just take boats out and enjoy them without having to worry about uh, okay. storage, trailering, maintenance, all that stuff. Oh, got it. How hard is it to get your captain's license? It wasn't an easy process. Um, yeah. I, I went the online route. Um, sometimes I wonder if it might have been easier to go through a school mm-hmm. where you, know, you have an instructor and it, it, it is pretty intense if you do it that way because everything is crammed into a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of information to take in and learn. Uh, the online course, you have a year to do it. Um, I pretty much waited until last minute. <laughs> I still had to kind of cram it all in there. And then you've got a, a test you know, that you have to pass in order to get it. So a lot of people think that there's probably some on the water stuff that you have to do, which would make sense, mm-hmm. but it's actually all just classroom stuff. Right. Uh, but one of the biggest challenges is you do have to turn in a log and show that you've spent so many days on the water. Okay. Um, so I think it's like close to 365, somewhere in there. And a four hour session counts as a day. And then you can go back all the way till I think we were like 14 years old. So, oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. That's super yep. cool. So what, let's go back to your, uh, your music. You said you were a songwriter as well. Yeah. I, I kind of did it as a hobby mostly, but one of my songs ended up, uh, we were getting a demo recorded and there was this guy starting a publishing company who happened to hear it and he's like oh my gosh we want to find out more about these writers and so they ended up signing myself and my co-writer Morgan Gallagher to a publishing deal so that was kind of cool yeah to, to have that kind of support and uh never really had any major cuts mm-hmm. uh, I did get one that that ended up uh being recorded by a national touring artist, not anybody huge guy, Ricky Lee out of Pennsylvania, but it's kind of fun because you can find it on Spotify and iTunes now. What's the name of uh, it? Called, I'm on it's it. It's called, one, yeah, One Day at a Time one. by Ricky Lee. By Ricky Lee? Yeah, R-I-C-K-Y-L-E-E. Okay, One Day at a Time. 
Okay, everybody, go out and listen to that song. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, got another, I've got another one that uh, I've played for a lot of people that are like, oh, man, that's a total hit. But one challenge about Nashville is it's, it's not always about the quality of the song. <laughs> a mm-hmm. lot of it is politics. You is know? it? So Just who you know? Kind of like who you wrote it with. Okay you know, who, what their relationship is with that particular artist. And every now and then people get lucky, but I'm hoping maybe one day that might happen. So you have to know somebody to get it to the artist to the, for them to even listen to it, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So you got to kind of be connected somehow. Isn't that interesting? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of probably weeds out a lot of songs too. That some, you know, oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? So tell me about your songwriting process. How do you go about writing songs? Um, So I'm basically, I'm more of a lyricist. Uh, I do play guitar a little bit, but Uh mostly I'm usually co-writing with somebody. And so I'll kind of have an idea lyrically. And then Uh I try to write with people who are a lot more talented than myself as far as the the music part of it and then we just kind of collaborate together um that's kind of how that one day at a time song came about the uh the other one that i was thinking could be a hit actually i wrote that one all by myself and uh and ended up kind of fine-tuning it with a couple other co-writers to make it something really special but so what what makes a song a hit? Why how does it how does that work? Do you think? Why do you, why do some songs just hit it and some some don't? <laughs> well, some of it is that that political piece. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, as far as the song itself goes, it's just you know having something a, a clever hook that yeah. draws people in. Uh, a lot of times, I think it has to do with having a melody that somewhat familiar you know that mm-hmm. kind of people feel like oh I've, I've heard this song before when mm-hmm. maybe they really haven't like I'm not talking about plagiarizing another song but there's something to that kind of familiarity I think that helps the song become a hit a little faster mm-hmm. some of the songs that that I've written um, you know some of the best songs I've written um, that that uh, people like are the ones that have like taken the least amount of time to to write like r- super fast like it just comes to you you know where you just um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if that happens to you where things just all of a sudden you're in this flow and everything just comes out and yeah. it's basically done and you're like wow and and then you I mean, for me I introduce it to the band and the band you know uh, plays it and stuff like that and they they'll go like oh, this is great you know but yeah um, no there's there's a, a lot of inspiration floating around out there. And I think if, if you just happen to catch it, you know, if you're in the right mindset mm-hmm. at the right time, uh, sometimes it just flows like that. Uh, one thing we, we've talked about, and I've heard other people talk about this, uh, how much truth to it there is, I don't know. But, like, yeah. I think ideas kind of just float out there in the ether. Uh-huh. And sometimes two different people can catch the same idea. I don't know if you've ever noticed like oh, sure. two songs coming out that are 
you know, almost the same song, just written a little differently. Uh-huh. And it's uh, just kind of crazy to think about that, but it makes oh, sense, I oh, guess. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, uh, what's happened with me a, a lot is I'll be, you know, um, I'm a fishing guide and I'll be walking on the stream and, you know, even with my clients, you know, I'll be walking up the stream or something and I'll be like, oh my God. And I've, I have this like melody or something and I go, hold on for a second. I got to re- uh, record this and I'll just sing, you know, or hum the, the melody into my phone or whatever, you know, record it real quick just so I don't lose it. You know, is there anything like that <laughs> happened to you ever? Oh yeah. All the yeah. time. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it hasn't happened to me in a while because I haven't been writing songs, but uh-huh. when you're, when you're in that mindset, you almost have to be just constantly thinking about ideas. Like anytime somebody says something to you, you have to have that mindset of, Ooh, could that, could that be a line in a song or an idea for a song? Mm-hmm. And when you get that inspiration, at least for me, I have to be able to write it down or record it immediately. Otherwise I'm going to forget. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to forget a good idea. Is there a certain pattern to, your lyrics that you're you're writing like you have the you have the verse and then you have like a you know a pre pre chorus type thing and then you go to the chorus kind of a deal. Mm-hmm. Do you have like yeah the, a lot of a lot of songs flow that way, but uh, I kind of you know mix it up. I don't know if you can hear these dogs yeah, barking yeah, I, in the background. I, I, I got my I got my dog stashed. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm actually outside here in Florida, and uh, the mailman just drove by. So oh it, yeah, yeah. They're freaking out. Uh, got the neighbor dogs all riled up. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of them flow like that way. Um, I try to mix it up when I'm writing a song. I don't always want to have the exact same structure mm-hmm. for every single song. And I'll usually start off with the course. It's easier for me to write that way, like get a oh, good, yeah. solid course down and then mm-hmm. kind of build verses around it. Okay. But it doesn't always flow that way sure. you know sometimes it'll start with the verse and flow into the chorus and mm-hmm. it just uh it just really depends on the song mm-hmm. yeah I, I i do a lot of that too and and have that uh you know they definitely have the changes that lead into something that kind of creates that tension you know so um you have a nice you know nice chorus that it, everything goes into for sure yeah i love it Okay, so enough about music. I, that's that was really interesting to me. I love that. Thanks for sharing all that. That's yeah, really cool. I love that. Glad stuff. we have that in common. Yeah, you know that's what my my podcast is about. I I have I have bands on uh, musicians, you know, outdoor folks, and uh, I'm always learning. You know, you know, having this uh, podcast, you know, I don't have quite as many as uh, episodes as you, but I just love it because you're constantly learning. You know, about everybody's yeah. world, and I just. And you meet so many cool people, you know, so um, I I really love it. So let's talk about your, um, you know, the Women Angler um, Adventure podcast and what you're all about and what you're trying to do, your mission and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, so I started it back in early 2018. And uh, initially, I actually had started as a podcast called It Pays to Fish. Um, where I was featuring people who make a living in the fishing industry in all sorts of different facets. So not just what you would typically think of, like fishing guides, Mm -hmm. um, tournament anglers, that sort of thing. But I was trying to mix it up. So I started off, I had Casey Scott, who designs a lot of the artwork for Hook Gear. 
um, I had a YouTube YouTuber on, you know, just trying to think outside the box a little bit. Yeah. And uh, eventually I had this lady on who runs a big group up in Wisconsin called Wisconsin Women Fish. And I from that episode and I started looking around the podcast space. Uh oh, looks like in, I, in fish. Looks like I lost you there for a second. You there still? Um, yeah. Are you? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, for a second, I lost you there for one second. For some reason. Okay. There we go. You're back. Uh oh. Okay. I think it's still break breaking up a little bit. Oh, is it? Um. Here we go. Yeah. Let me try moving. <laughs> just in case it's on my end. Let's see. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, sounds good. Okay, you just broke up on me again. Go ahead. Oh, now it's breaking up again. Okay, (laughs) darn it. All right, we're back. All right. Okay. Um, So, uh... I'll just start with, um, yeah, so I've featured, oh, go ahead. Sorry. You were, you were talking about Wisconsin. Yeah. Wisconsin women fish. Yeah. So I featured a lady up in Wisconsin who hosts a big group of ladies up there called Wisconsin women fish. And that episode just had a, a different energy to it. And I started looking around and I was like, you know, there aren't any podcasts out there that I could find that provide a good platform for women in fishing and the outdoors to share their stories. And so, and there were other podcasts about featuring people who, you know, work in the fishing industry and things like that. So I'm like, why don't I switch the focus of the show over to giving a platform for women to share their stories, hopefully inspire others to get more involved. And that's just kind of where, the woman angler and adventure came from and it's been amazing ever since. Oh, awesome. And so your mission is to get other women into the outdoors. Sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And it, just to give people a platform who are, you know, devoting all sorts of time and energy into their outdoor endeavors. Um, you know, nowadays, most everyone has to build up a social media following and, um, you know, tournament anglers need sponsors to be able to afford to do what we do. Um, so it's just, a other than inspiring people out there, it also gives women a a platform to get their stories out there as well. That's awesome. And are you seeing a big increase in women in the outdoors? I really have, um, since starting it back in 2018, uh, I remember going to the Tennessee fishing expo and walking around and the only women I saw pretty much were either behind the table, like, you know, working with a brand or something Mm -hmm. or the spouse of a husband at the show. Now I'm starting to see more women who are actually, the the one getting out there fishing and uh and that's been really great to see that's awesome there's a uh 
uh, a friend of mine that uh, started a um, a women's day up up on our river. It was called the Kern River in California, mm-hmm. and it's it's now called Celine. Her name is Celine, um, but she she started this whole thing um, to get women into fly fishing, right? And mm-hmm. um, she passed away a couple of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But the the women's fly gal weekend, it's called, uh, continues on. And you know what's incredible is every year uh, we cap it out at 60 women. And um, the club that um, puts it on, it's called the Southern Sierra Fly Fishers. They put this thing on. But every year we ha- we cap it out at, at, at 60 women and it fills up. And it's yeah. it's really amazing how many women are, are getting interested, not only in the outdoors, but also you know, fly fishing and in, in, in itself. And it's really cool. Yeah, I've definitely seen a huge shift in fly fishing. That's not really my forte. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a conventional angler. I, ha- I do have friends who are fly anglers and I actually got to do a road trip down in Florida with uh, Jen Ripple from Dunn Magazine and Heather Hodson from uh, United Women on the Fly. They right. did a, uh, redfish roadie road trip and uh they were fly fishing while i was conventional fishing <laughs> awesome <laughs> which was fun but um i did get to catch my first fish on the fly during that did trip. You? Oh, cool. uh, yeah a red yeah, fish? So I, it was a actually the guy called it a blue fish uh, oh, it was yeah. in a uh-huh. school of a bunch of jack Traval and nice. um yeah it was it was a lot of fun i will admit um but yeah. i don't know if it'll be something I ever like really take up down yeah. the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do get the, the allure of it for sure. Yeah. And so are you doing like a, a pro women's pro bass tour or something? Yeah. Okay. What's that all so, about? Back in 2020, I fished the tournament with them as a co-angler just to kind of get my feet wet and see what it was all about. It was over there on Truman Lake in Missouri. And I was like, this is kind of cool. It's just an all-women pro bass tour. Um, there's a lot of bass tours out there, but most of them are, you know, men with a few women here and there. And so mm-hmm. it's just kind of fun to have that com- camaraderie oh, with yeah. a bunch of other ladies, you know. And so I decided the following year to jump in with both feet and go as what they call a pro, which is a boater, meaning you're, you know, running the boat. And then you have a co-angler on the back of the boat. So uh, it's it's been a huge learning experience for me. Um, it's a lot to have to do all the you know map study and figure out where you're going to go and mm-hmm. try to get on fish. Yeah. But it's it's a lot of fun. So uh, just wrapped up my second year. Uh, came in ninth place at our classic. So nice. slowly making improvements. And uh, looking to 2023, uh, we've got tournament, uh, well, March 9th through the 10th at Lake Palestine in Texas. So jumping jumping in pretty quick this year toward the beginning of March. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions 
that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So are you getting sponsors too to help out with some of that? Or Yeah, I'm working on some exciting stuff. Um, cool. Not quite finalized yet, so I don't want to yeah, quite yeah. Uh, announce it. But <laughs> yeah. um, St. Croix Rods has, has come through for me year after year. Awesome. Um, yeah, they've been really great. And uh, Freedom Boat Club, my employer, actually is a huge sponsor for me. Um, and it's, it's just really important to have that kind of support when you're spending all this money to travel and fish these tournaments and put gas in the boat. And there's yeah. a lot of expense that goes to it, especially, you know, now. <laughs> it yeah. seems like it's getting more expensive and more expensive. But we do it because we love it. We love the challenge of it. Yeah. And uh, I've always been a very competitive na- natured person, kind of why I got into fishing in the first place, growing up in Minnesota, fishing for walleye, trying to see who catch the most fish between my brother and I, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. You know, Dan uh, Johnson over there at uh, St. Croix, have you met him? Yeah, no, I have met Dan. Yeah. I'm, I'm, he's going to be on uh, my podcast uh uh, today as well, and this, this afternoon. Oh, cool. <laughs> how, how cool is oh, that? Oh, awesome. Yeah, you have to tell him Yeah, I met him just recently out here at this thing called Delta Bass Days, Delta Sims Days out in uh, California on the California Delta, and he was he was hanging out and talking about St. Croix rods and, and whatnot. So, And he's he's like a super cool guy, so I'm stoked to have him yeah. on the show as well. So awesome. That would be great. Yeah. And they're, they're coming out with... Uh, a whole line of uh, fly rods coming out in uh, September 2023. So they're they're nice. hit, they're hitting all the fly sh- the fly guys out here. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Good. So um, the tour is you're you're constantly like you are you going somewhere every weekend? Um. So the, the, yeah, the Lady Pro Bass Tour, um, and and by the way, another sponsor huge sponsor i should give a shout out to is lance camper because we travel yeah we travel to all these tournaments with our lance truck camper which i call the mobile podcast studio because while we're on the road i'm also trying to find people to meet up with and do podcast interviews and yeah it's always a lot of fun um but we we have three main tournaments throughout the year and then depending on how well you fish if you qualify, you fish the fourth tournament at the end of the year, which is the classic. Um, nice. And so that's that's kind of a nice schedule because, you know, a lot of ladies work full time as well. And it's hard to get that much time off of work. And, uh, you know, if you really want to do well, it's good to be able to get there early and get some practice in before the actual tournament starts. So it can be somewhat time consuming for people. 
when you go to a new lake, how do you approach it when you're going to like pre-fish it and stuff? What are you doing? Are you going around scanning everything, looking for fish? Um, so my process is I do a lot of pre-planning before we ever even get there. You know, I think about what time of year it is, what seasonal patterns should the bass be in at that point? Mm-hmm. What's the weather been doing? You know, has it done anything that's going to kind of throw that off? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then I look at, you know, Google earth and maps oh, and Navionics uh-huh. and start trying to plan out what areas I should target. Um, one cool advantage, I always try to find a campground that's right on the lake, if at all possible. Yeah. So that way, you know, and bonus, if there's like a marina or a dock that I can just keep the boat in the water because that makes it so much easier to be able to hop on the boat and mm-hmm. get out there and having to deal with the trailer and all that every day. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times I'll kind of focus my area where I'm fishing based on where our campground is. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also have to keep in mind, you know, how far away is that from where blast off is going to be? Right. Um, you know, where are the off limits, like the area we can't fish during the tournament, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So ideally, my, my, always my ideal setup is we're either camped at wherever the launch is going to be or very close by. Mm-hmm. And then I try to hopefully break down that area of the lake. And sometimes that's, just, that's not where the fish are probably going to be. And you do have to, you know, look at different areas, but help save gas money if yeah. you're able to figure it out. <laughs> do you have one of those, uh, front scanners on on your boat you know the um what are they called the uh, yeah do you have a front? ours is yeah our, the one i've run the last couple of years is the garmin live scope yeah. um next year may be a little different with some of these changes that i can't quite announce just yet yeah. but <laughs> <laughs> awesome but i i've enjoyed the live scope um i'm not a deep water angler mm-hmm. for the most part and that's where I think the live scope really, really comes into play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not as good if you're fishing super shallow, which is what I really love to do. Mm-hmm. So I haven't used it a ton, but it has helped me, you know, just to kind of look at it. And if I see a lot of bait activity and, and things like that, it it's like, okay, there's something going on here. If I'm not seeing anything, then I'm like, mm, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here. <laughs> yeah. It helps me eliminate areas a lot faster. Mm-hmm. What's your go-to bait? I'm a finesse angler. So my go-to has always been a Cinco, uh-huh. uh, which is, you know, just a, a little plastic stick worm. Yeah. Um, I always used to fish at Texas rigged which is straight um either weightless or weighted but this year at the beginning of the year i don't know what got into me but i was like i'm gonna try this wacky rig thing again because i've tried it in the past and just never really had much success Mm -hmm. and that's where the hook is in more in the middle of the bait and as the worm is falling it's got more of a um, wobbly action i guess you could say yeah and uh, our first Texas tournament of the year, right at the end of the day, I caught my personal best so far in a tournament, which was a 5.33-pound 
fast. Awesome. And that was a lot of fun on the, on the wacky rig. Were you freaking out? So now out? that's kind of my, my more go-to. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was, awesome. what was really exciting about it is it was, you know, we were probably 30 minutes left before we had to get back for yeah. weigh in. And so that's always a lot of fun to get a nice fish like that. That's so exciting. <laughs> you know, like you're fishing yeah. all day and then boom, right at the end. Yeah. yeah. And then you get it in and then, you know, you got, you know, good weight, right? You got, yep. is it a five fish thing? that you're doing yeah we can keep the pros can keep five and the codes can keep three okay so you know it's always the goal to at least get five and then hopefully maybe more that you can what you call call Mm -hmm. where if you have a smaller fish in your live well you can you know return it and replace it with a bigger fish how does it work with the co-fishermen how does that work like so they they fish off the back of the boat um they're totally, you know, doing their own thing. Of course, they're at the mercy of the pro as far as where you're going, how fast you're running the boat. They kind of have to be able to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of pros and co's, you know, we're allowed to share baits if we want to share information as far as, you know, hey, I'm using this technique and it's working really well, that kind of thing. Um, and so for me, I always kind of look at it as a, almost like a team tournament, even though For we're sure. really not a team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just like that format. Um, when I first started bass fishing, I, I did it locally here in, or up in Nashville as it's called team Nashville Bassmasters, And you're actually fishing as a team. And so that's just kind of what I've always been accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this last tournament though, uh, the classic, which was on Logan Martin. That's the big one. You know, you really want to be focused and dialed in. And one, one of the days my uh, co-angler actually had to leave for an emergency. And so I got to fish that one solo. And that was pretty interesting because that that was my first time ever fishing a tournament by myself. And you make a lot of different decisions than you would if if you've got somebody on the back of the boat. So, that was kind of a, a eye opener for me. Oh, you're communicating, you know, Oh, I'm using purple. I'm using white. I'm doing all these different things. I'm, you know, you're, or you're watching each other probably too. You know, right. And, you know. and I'm, I'm always like second guessing myself as I'm the one making the decisions like where we're fishing. Yeah. And you know, there's certain tournaments where I was like, you know, I could stay in this area all day long, mm-hmm. but you know, that can be kind of boring, <laughs> mm-hmm. especially if, you know, maybe your co-angler isn't catching any fish. And so, you know, if I was by myself, maybe I would stay there all day. But since I've got this other person, I'm also thinking about, I de- definitely make different decisions. And uh, people tell me, you know, don't think like that. Don't worry about your co-angler, but it's hard for somebody like me to do that. So. Uh-huh. Is the co-angler um, in the tournament as well, like competing against other amateurs? Is that what they're doing? Yeah. So, yeah, the pros are competing against other pros and the co's are competing against the other co's. Okay. And so at the end of the year, there's, you know, there's a pro co-angler or pro angler of the year and there's a co-angler of the year. And at the classic, there's a pro champion and a co-champion. So once those guys feel confident enough, they'll step into the pro. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah. So 
most people, you know, start off as a co and then once they build up and get the, the finances to have a boat and that sort of thing, then, you know, that's, that's usually the progression. Some ladies just love being a co-angler and we've even had some that, that have been pros in the past that decide to step back and, and go as co-anglers. So it just kind of depends on people's what they've got going on in their lives and finances and things like that. So does the co-angler help with gas and all that too, or they just hop on the boat and fish? They, they are strongly encouraged to help with gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is an expense that, you know, the pros do take on in, you know, running the boat and pulling the boat to whatever location and that yeah. sort of thing. Um, we have several practice days that lead up to the tournaments as well. And so pros want to get out there and do some practice with one of the pros. Uh-huh. They're able to do that. Um, even on practice days, they're encouraged to help pitch in with the gas. Yeah. And are they, um, are, are, do you, do you get to choose who the co-angler is or they just assign you with one? So for practice, you can choose if you want to fish with, with a co-angler, but during the tournament, we do a draw. Okay. And so whoever, whoever you get paired up with based on whatever number you draw, that's, that's who you pair with. Okay. And then at classic at the end of the year, it's based on whatever place you finished in the angler of the year point. So yep. first place gets paired with the first place co that sort of thing. So do you ever get like a co-angler on there that's just like super good? And you're like, dang, you're, you're ripping. Oh it. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've had tons of, Excellent co-anglers. A lot of these ladies have been fishing the LBA for many years. I think LBA is in its 12th year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, some of them have been fishing since the beginning. Even some of the co's have been co's since the beginning. And so they're very, very good. Whereas, you know, I only have a couple of years experience. So I usually learn a lot from my co-anglers every time. What's it cost to enter a, uh, one of your guys' tournaments? Uh, it's different for pros and co's. I believe the entry fee for the pros is 400 Oh, okay. So it's not, not terrible. And half of that for probably for the co's? Yeah, I think so. And so are you, are you getting some, like if you, if you win, are they dishing out some good coin for you guys? Yeah, so you get uh, a nice check if you end up being first, second, and third place. I think they pay out. Okay. Um, depending on the tournament, it's all kind of based on how many boats we have right. in in each tournament. And we usually have anywhere from on the low end, like twenty boats up to thirty, is kind of the range that we're at right now. That's not thirty boats. That's that's still pretty good. Yeah. Right. And you guys are. You guys are all like uh, in the morning, first at sunrise. Everyone's out there in their boats, and then they call the number, and you guys take off. Yep, we're uh, we're very fortunate. We have a very awesome announcer, Don Day, who actually calls the anglers when they come in for the Bassmaster Classic. So he's uh-huh. been around for a long time, but he's a huge supporter of women in fishing, and so he comes to all our tournaments and does our weigh-ins oh, at the end of cool. the day in our blast offs in the morning, you know, we do the national anthem, the whole deal. That's awesome. So you're a speaker at the outdoor media 
conference. Is that right? Yeah, that just happened not too long ago. Uh, we had it this year in North Lake Tahoe, Inclined Village, and it was a, a beautiful setting to have a conference. I did a, a session on how to monetize your podcast with a couple other podcasters, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, that's cool. And then what else do they have there? Um, they just have a lot of different, it's, it's really, it used to be called the Outdoor Blogger Summit, and now they've you know, expanded that into uh-huh. YouTube, TikTok, um, all the different platforms. So they do different sessions mm-hmm. based on, you know, people's interests, uh, you know, the, how to, you know, blow up your, your TikTok following and things like that. Um, but it's also a really cool space for brands to come in and meet people in the outdoor industry, uh, media people, social media influencers. Mm-hmm. and get their, their products and brands in front of them. Oh, nice. And uh, is there a lot of people that go to that? There are quite a few, yes. I don't know what the number of registrations was this year, mm-hmm. but um, thinking back to one of the breakfasts, I'd say it's probably between 250 to 300 people. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. so I, I highly recommend it to anybody, you know, interested in outdoor media, it's definitely a great event to attend and they need a lot more anglers involved. Uh, right now it's very centered around hiking, backpacking, camping, that sort of thing. Uh-huh. Well, I'm going. I would love to see more. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see more anglers involved. Uh, what'd you, and you spoke on um, how to monetize your podcast and how were you, were you nervous? Was that something that you've done a lot of? <laughs> What's that? I was very nervous. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Like getting up in front of people and, and speaking, you know, people have no idea how hard that is to do, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I said to somebody and I might've even said it before my, my presentation, but you know, I'm a podcaster. I'm used to being behind the screen, behind the microphone and not up in front of the whole room. Of four <laughs> Where people, everybody's checking you know? out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But, uh, but I did, I did get it. It helped the other two people I was doing it with were also extremely nervous. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we kind of all help support each other through it. For sure. You know, um, you know, performing, um, and you know, I, I'm going to ask you about this too. How did you feel after you got done? With your... Like I conquered the world. Right. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing high? It's like, yeah. it's like, uh, it's an, it's a natural high that, that, uh, that people get, you know, performers get it all the time. And, yeah. And unfortunately and, I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I probably would have uh-huh. because there was a huge snow and windstorm moving in oh. right, and it was about to be hitting when I was supposed to be driving over the summit to get back to the airport Oh, <laughs> right. in a, in a little rental car. And so I was kind of freaking out about that because out there they actually shut down the road if you do not have chains or snow tires. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I got to get to the airport. And so I ended up having to move my flight and miss some of the, the last day of the summit to get to beat the storm. Uh, um, so I didn't get to enjoy it as much as I would have. I, that's a bummer because that's a great high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So were you, you guys were, were you flying out of Reno then and you like drove up that, that gnarly Canyon and then flew out that yep. way? 
Yeah, okay. Yep. And you, were you on the North Shore? Yeah, we were, well, it was, yeah, I guess it's North, North Lake Tahoe. So, yeah, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. And they have, um, they have those uh, casinos and stuff over there, the ones that are yeah. at start in Nevada, I think. There's yeah, like one, one thing I will say about the Outdoor Media Summit is they really pack it in with great sessions and meals, and uh, they, we do a scavenger hunt at, at the end of day two where we really get to kind of explore the area, which is a lot of fun. Oh. But if you want to have time to do things like casinos and go see other sites definitely need to plan a little bit of time either before or after <laughs> the, the trip because you're not going to have a whole lot of time during the conference wow so you have a an event coming up on january 8th want to talk about that yeah so the national professional anglers association is having their conference this year down in uh, fort myers florida which Normally, that, that organization is kind of historically known as a walleye fishing organization, mm-hmm. but they've really started to branch out and evolve over the years. Most, most of their conferences in the past have taken place in the Midwest, um, but they're really starting to involve more bass anglers. Like, they have Gerald Swindle as one of the keynote speakers this year. Um, a couple years ago, before COVID, when they had their last conference, they had Mike Iconelli. Um, but anyway, this is the first year they're going all the way down south and having it in Fort Myers. And since I'm down here anyways, of course I'm going to go. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm hosting a, a women's networking session on Friday of the conference. And then on Sunday, which is the last day of the conference, um, they have a couple things in the morning. But we're going to break away. And uh, Debbie Hansen and I have gotten together and we're going to do a women's kayak fishing uh, meetup down uh, just north of Fort Myers with an outfitter called, uh, let's see, Gulf Coast Kayak. Nice. And so we're going out of Matt Latcha Park, I think is how you say it. And we're going to hopefully do some inshore kayak fishing. They have a bunch of kayaks uh, outfitted for fishing or people can bring their own kayaks if they want to do it that way. Uh-huh. Um, and red tide is kind of a factor right now. And so if it's still bad at that time, we have a backup plan to do some freshwater fishing. So either way, we're going to, we're going to have this meetup. It's going to be a lot of fun. And if anybody is interested, just shoot me an email. It's Angie at thewomanangler.com and I can send you all the info. Uh, we still have, I think, last I checked, uh, six spots available, but also unlimited, you know, for people if they're able to bring their own kayaks. So, oh, and, and when you guys are fishing there, what are you going to be fishing for? Um, so, so if we get to do the inshore fishing, it's going to be uh, redfish, snook, oh, awesome. sheepshead, probably trout, mm-hmm. those type of fish. Um, if we go freshwater, I'm guessing we'll probably be doing bass fishing. How fun. Sounds, that sounds like yeah. a blast for sure. Yeah, we've, we've got a lot of really uh, kind of the who's who of women in fishing in southwest Florida already signed up. So a lot of the ladies I've had on my podcast, some I've never met in person, so I'm really excited. Awesome. What, what, uh, I always end my, my podcast with, uh, 
musical question. And I usually ask, you know, what you've been listening to or what you, who you really enjoy right now in the, in the music world. So do you have somebody that you've been listening to or that you? Yeah. So, so with me getting down to Florida more often now, especially this time of year, I've really kind of fallen for the, the whole reggae vibe. Oh. Um, I even love to listen to it when I'm back in Nashville, just cause it makes me feel like I'm back down in Florida. And so one of my favorites has become a band called stick figure. Oh yeah. And, uh, they just released a new album not too long ago. So I've been, I've been rocking that quite a bit. Yeah. They're one of my favorites too. That's oh, cool. Funny. Yeah. I've, I've seen them play a few times and. Oh, and, nice. And, I haven't seen them. Yet. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, they're just killing it, man. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, the kind of following that they're getting, but it's, it's definitely hitting everybody, isn't it? You know, just the, the sound and, and the vibe of that, of that music is pretty awesome. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's positive. Yes. which I really enjoy and uh, we need more of that in the world right now. So <laughs> Definitely. Well, you get a chance, you know, go uh, check out my band. It's kind of a reggae ska band too. It's uh, okay. called Stoneflies and uh, we oh. do very similar stuff. Not, not quite as uh, interesting as his, you know, music, but we have a horn section and stuff like that. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I'll definitely check that out. Definitely. So where can people find you? Uh, so the easiest way is just go to thewomanangler.com and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at the woman angler. And we also have a private Facebook group. Called, if you just search for the woman angler and adventure, it should pop up. We'd love to have women and men as part of the community. Anybody who, you know, is, loves fishing in the outdoors is welcome to join. And we have some good conversations in there. Awesome. I'm going to remind everybody to go to Spotify and listen to One Day at a Time. Is that right? By Ricky Lee? Yep. One Day yep. at a Time by Ricky Lee, written by Angie Scott. And uh, and check all that out for sure. Angie, so great to have you on and, and learning about your world and what you do. And I wish the best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, we'll hopefully we'll meet up at one of these conferences soon. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Okay. Take care. All right. You too. All right. Bye-bye.